Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail, where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. As usual, I'm joined by Run for God founder, Mitchell Hollis. Hey, hey Dean, Mitchell. how are you? I'm good. What about you? I'm great. Wow. What a what about this? We're back in the J Radio Studios it, after how long? It's what's it been? Two months? Six, six weeks? weeks? Two months? Yeah, it's been a while. Been yeah. A while. So if you're listening and the sound sounds so much better, it's because you don't have rookie sound engineers uh, <laughs> trying to figure this out. We're in a we're in a legitimate studio again. Thank goodness for J one oh three and Absolutely. their expertise. Yeah. 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 So we're doing this thing, Run Club, we're doing this thing called the Plank Challenge, which is um, most people know what a plank is, uh, and it looks so simple, <laughs> but it's so stinking hard. Uh, but strength work is kind of a backbone for a lot of runners these days. I remember when I was growing up, and I was running back in the late 70s and early 80s, we did some strength work, but it wasn't a lot, not nearly as much as they do these days, so... Um, what do you think about strength work for runners? I think core especially is is vital. Um, especially, I know, uh, you know, my, Lane, my son, um, does a lot of running, and and that's, you know, that he has a specific strength program in his workouts now, and it's, you know, it's all about the core. Your core yeah. stabilizes everything, and it's. I just think it's vitally important, and it's becoming more and more recognized that it's that much more important nowadays. Yeah, and I think the one thing that people fail to understand about core work and about strength work in general is they expect to get a lot faster right. when they do core work because they think, well, it's going to make me faster. And that's right. really not the the purpose behind core work, right. is it? No, absolutely not. No. The, the idea, like you said, is when you get a strong core, you're able to hold that your, your, your form better your form. and for yeah. a longer period of time, and you're able to be more efficient, and that allows you to train harder and longer – which will ultimately make you faster, but it won't do it in a few weeks. Right, because yeah. breakdown in form can lead to a lot of other things. Right. Uh, it can lead to injuries. Mostly injuries. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's just to, it's to help keep you training more so than actually getting you faster. Yeah. And keeping on training or continuing to train is That's, what's going to make you faster. Exactly. So how much of it do you think we need to do to, to make a difference? For the, for the recreational athlete out there who runs, you know, they run four days a week and – they just want to stay good and fit. How much do you think they they need you to know, do? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I know the answer to that. I think everybody's different. Um, I think two or three times a week is is probably enough. You you hear of people doing it a lot more, mm-hmm. uh, and you still hear people who who rarely do. It. I rarely do strength training because, and you know, I'm not the runner that I used to be either. I, I don't. I'm not looking to to win any races or anything right now. Um, but yeah, I think it's good to to incorporate some of it, uh, yeah. a moderate amount. You know, obviously keeping it keeping it in balance. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think I think age plays a factor too. The older you get, and what I've learned is is passing fifty, I really can feel the decrease in muscular strength in my body. Mm-hmm. And so, being able to do some of that stuff, not just core work, but also some leg work too, right. to keep the legs strong. Um, is critically important. Uh, yeah, and it, I mean, it, it's going to keep that bone density, too. You yeah. Know, I actually had a conversation with this past week with Ted on the radio, and we were talking about the importance of how running builds bone, and the same thing with working out. You know, any kind of any kind of workout like that is going to keep your bone density up, which does tend to decrease um, as you start to get older. Yeah, absolutely. Just had a discussion this morning with a young lady about, um, about natural remedies and, ha- and how – and running is one of these things that will that will help you with this whole coronavirus thing that's mm-hmm. going on. It, it actually, the stronger your body is, the the less effective that virus would be if you got it, um, which includes not only running, but run, running obviously makes you a stronger person, makes your immune system stronger, but also all the natural things that you can do and eat well that yeah. makes a difference. Yeah. We're not talking enough about that, I don't think. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, it's a. There's a whole picture here. So, yep. you know, many times we get stuck on the the running part, but it's it's uh, you've heard us talk about before doing all the things, 
you know, it's all of the other things that a lot of times is what makes your running better. Yep. It's not necessarily the running. Most of us don't have a, a problem with getting out and doing the run, but what are we doing outside the run? <laughs> it makes the most difference than actually the workout itself many times. Uh, yep, yep. You know, if you're running five miles and then going home and eating a box of Twinkies, the problem's not the run. The problem's the box of Twinkies. So, yeah. uh, It's tough. It's tough. So today we have a story that's a little bit longer than our usual story, um, but it's a really good one, and we'll, we'll talk about that. But also, don't forget that you can submit questions to us through dean at runforgod.com. If you've got questions, if you've got topics you want us to cover, if there's things you want to hear about, if you'll let us know about those things, then then we can cover those. Also, don't forget to submit your story. If you have a story and you want to submit it, and just like Mitchell always says, everybody has a story. Submit your story so we can get you on on uh, on this broadcast. So, uh, first, as always, we are proud to be sponsored by the world's greatest digital music platform, and we're in their studios here, J Radio. You know that moment when you're running and you settle into that perfect pace and then the next song comes on? Don't let that happen again. With the new J Radio, you can trust us to make sure that the next song in your playlist will help you keep up that pace. Check out the Radio Active Station on J Radio for all different genres of workout music handpicked for you while you run. Start listening now at jradio.com. Okay, so our story this week comes from a very, very faithful Run for God supporter. Um, has always been a big part of what we do. A lot of people don't realize this, but Irene Tang, actually, as we as I was writing the devotions books, um, I would send those stories to Irene for her to help me edit them. Mm-hmm. And so Irene um, also has a site out there calling called Running God's Race, which mm-hmm. is a blog that she keeps up. So if you're interested in what you hear, go check out Irene's stuff there. But She's um, the lady in the green glasses. The lady. <laughs> if, if you're on the Run Club group page, she's the one that's always jumping and taking a picture, and she's the lady wearing the green glasses. So, uh, and, and by the way, I just told you, Dean, during the break, I actually read this one. Usually I, I try not to read these, and just that way we can kind of talk off the cuff, but I saw this one was Irene's, and Man, great job, Irene, beforehand. Great job. <laughs> so her story is um, – I don't have a title to her story here. Um, all right, here's Irene's story. My, it's, it's, about the, it's about the numbers, I think, is the name yeah. of the story. Yeah. My, my problem goes all the way back to fourth grade math class. My earliest recollection of not getting it. I don't remember the exact concepts that earned me a ticket on the math struggle bus, but I'm pretty sure it had something to do with trains arriving at different times and at the the rate at which bathtubs would fill equally. Now that I think about it, word problems really were my demise. Irene consumed 10 energy gels during her race. She had two more chocolate than peanut butter and two-thirds that number in salted caramel. How many of each flavor did she consume? (laughs) Or, Irene spent $40 on energy gels. She paid using 10s, 5s, and $1 bills. If she gave the salesperson 10 bills in all, how many of each bill did she use? The guess and check strategy for solving problems always seemed counterintuitive to me. And incorporating words? Math was supposed to be about numbers. My dad is the exact opposite of me. He's a numbers guy, a retired engineer and former stock market enthusiast. He's the measure twice, cut once type. Oil changes are completed exactly as the odometer hits the next 3,000-mile mark. If I tell him it's a warm day with a high of 85, he may respond with, nah, I'd say 83. Or if I'm supposed to be at his house at 530, my phone will ring at 531 as I'm turning into his driveway. I'm familiar with that one. He's also the one who, after a long day at work, sat with me for hours at the kitchen table months before my SATs, helping me with, what else, math. 
He was convinced that if we put in the time and effort, my math score would go up 100 points, which he had researched as being the minimum necessary number for me to get into my dream school. Interestingly, my math SAT score did improve by exactly 100 points from my previous attempt, thanks to my dad and his help conquering my math nemesis. I got into my dream school, UCLA. Go Bruins! Good thing, since I only applied to one college. What are the odds? That blows my mind today as I've heard from my kids and through sources such as Forbes.com, many today apply to 30 or more schools. I still can't wrap my brain around those numbers. Oddly enough, when I taught third grade math, or excuse me, when I taught third grade, math was one of my favorite subjects to teach. As a runner, I loved using run-related object lessons, like this lesson on decimals and place value. If John ran his 5K in 3301 and Judy ran hers in 3310, who finished faster? Or when students gave me grief about how it looked like I ate candy bars all the time when they were really disgusting protein bars. One day during a lesson on multiplication arrays, I decided to dispel this third grade myth once and for all. I unwrapped one of my more unpleasant tasting high protein bars and proceeded to cut it into four rows of six under the document camera for all 24 students to see. Then I evenly distributed one piece to each student to sample. As I predicted, 96% of the 24 were now convinced their teacher was not eating candy bars all day. Of that 96%, one-third of the class experienced a gag reflex, and of that one-third, two rushed for the trash can. (laughs) Standard deviation of plus or minus one, because there's always that one kid. Who says I'm not a numbers person? Most recently, I made the decision to be more intentional about numbers. I used to be a more diligent about logging mile splits and, and all training run stats. I, if I'm being 100% honest, I simply got complacent the last couple of years. I became content with just finishing a run. I didn't wear my Garmin most of the time and just estimated how I did. Don't get me wrong, there's value in just getting out there and running without the pressure of time and performance. But when I've made it the norm rather than the exception and still have hopes of improving race times, something doesn't equate. Whether you're an avid runner or not, common sense tells you that pacing and practicing the speeds you hope to race are things you need to do on a regular basis. I kind of threw common sense, along with number sense, out the window the last couple of years. With this being the start of 2018 and God using some life-changing circumstances to shake me up out of my complacency, I am happy to report that I have made progress, and speed training is a priority again, as well as logging all of my stats for analysis and accountability, and yes, becoming more of a numbers person. Perhaps I have swung over the other direction with this numbers thing. Or maybe it's just because I've noticed my average mile pace being 10-10, reminding me of the verse in John about God's overflowing abundant plans for my life. And when a runner friend brings up precisely the same verse that day, it's not just a good thing, it's a God thing. I came that they may have, they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance or to the full till it overflows. John 10.10, the Amplified Version. God often takes a completely discouraging, even devastating, anxiety-ridden day and turns it around in the least expected ways. He did so on January 8th at a Warriors home game by reminding me of this word for, for solving problems. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. NIV. This verse is from Philippians 4, 6, was prominently displayed on the iPhone home screen of the Steph Curry fan sitting in front of me. I immediately felt the tension of the day disappear almost as quickly as my bowl of slam dunk nachos. The words, do not be anxious, kept playing in my head for the rest of the game. I might have cheered extra loudly for Steph, Clay, and Draymond, 
season-high 23 points and 10 assists that night, as their performances did not disappoint. But maybe it was also the fact that God was letting me know the real game is in His hands. I went home that night and created my own version of Philippians 4-6 for my iPhone home screen. I found a peaceful, scenic trail photo which reminded me of many times during races that Jesus has shown me that I can trust him because he alone knows what is around the next turn and up the next climb. As for those progressive progression runs, so far, I've been hitting 3% to 10% faster times on each of my laps around the Lafayette Reservoir. Those, maybe that's Lafayette. Around here, it's Lafayette. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, know the stati- I know it's statistically improbable and practically impossible to hit exact numbers in running all the time. But one thing is 100% possible, 24-7, 365, with no standard deviation and no guessing. God's faithfulness, his peace and comfort, his provision and goodness, and love. Okay, that was more than one, but who's counting? Hmm. (laughs) That's a great story. Uh, Irene is so good to to put different elements together in a story like that, and uh, and that one was no different. Um, And it was written, as you can tell, back a couple of years ago. um, And uh, uh, interesting story about math. And there are a lot of people. I've met a lot of people who have struggled with math over the years. But you know the funny thing about that story? And Irene, this this might set you back in your chair. In the past 30 days, my wife... Holly has taken that verse, Philippians 4, 6, and she's printed it off, and she's put it on my bathroom mirror and on my desk. Wow. And so I kind of sat back when I saw that verse, and I saw how God hit her with it at a basketball game, and I'm sitting here thinking, man, this story was written a couple years ago, and it's exactly what I needed to hear today. Uh, You know, these are crazy times we're in, and we all need to take hold of that verse and, and hold on to it tightly because everything around us, wants us to be anxious and afraid and worried about what's going to happen next, what's going to happen with the economy or the society. Is society changing? Um, God's got this. Yeah. And yeah. We, need, we, need to recite and we need to recite that verse daily. Amen. During these times. Amen. No question. No question. She asked this question. She says, have you ever looked up the verses before and after your favorite go-to verse? And she, she asked some other questions in there. But have, have you ever done that? Because yeah. I, I, I have. Uh, my, my go-to verse and the verse that I, that I enjoy and kind of my life verse is Joshua 1.9. Mm-hmm. Um, and the part I love about that verse is where it says, have I not commanded you? And then he talks about being courageous. And it's interesting because when you do go back and you read what was before that, mm-hmm. he did. Mm-hmm. He said it twice before that, said, do not, do not, or be strong and be courageous. Because here's the reasons why, uh, and then, and then he he reiterates, I've I've told you this. Yeah. Listen to me, and I need that because I need somebody to pound it into my head. If you put it in North Georgia terms for nowadays, it would be, look, I've already told you. <laughs> Listen to me. That's right. And yeah, I mean, it's yeah. You go back and you look, and and you know, I've always heard anytime God says or anytime Jesus says something once, you need to listen. Anytime. Jesus says something twice, you really need to listen. And anytime Jesus says something three times, or he says, look, you know, have I not already said this? We really, it's not just for the people he was talking to, it's for the people reading. Right. And uh, so, yeah, it, it is fascinating to go back and look, because so many times we, we'll take verses out of context. I mean, they're, they're great verses, and, and I'm sure God wants us to use them however we can use them to, to apply to our lives, but uh, many times, we'll take verses out of context sometimes, so it's always good to go back and, and read the context of what Jesus was saying or what God was showing people, you know, leading up to that. Yeah, and what's interesting is that in the in the Joshua 1-9 example and in what we were just talking about, God is preparing the Israelites at this point mm-hmm. to go into the promised land. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's telling them, telling them to be strong and be courageous because he knows it's going to take that. Just like that verse that Irene talked about and just like what you were talking about with what Holly has posted on the mirror, it's a reminder mm-hmm. that 
times are not always easy, and we need to be prepared for them, and that's how we prepare ourselves for them. Absolutely. So a second question, are there situations that you hesitate to give to Jesus in prayer, and what might be holding you back? Yeah, I I think there is a lot of times, and I, you know, what might be holding you back for me? A lot of times, it's it's shame. Maybe mm. I messed this up. You know, I maybe I didn't do what I knew God was calling me to do in the first place, and so many times I'm reluctant to even bring it up. It's it's almost like when you were little and your dad said do this, and you did something else, and you messed it up. What what did you not want to do? Go tell him. You didn't want to go tell your dad. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and I always compare our relationship to Christ with our relationship with our earthly father because that's exactly what we do with him many times. But the funny thing is, sometimes you could fool your dad. You can't fool God. I mean, he already knows. And many times your your real dad already knew. You know, yeah. he's just waiting. Because yeah. I do it with my kids <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. I know when they've messed up. And I don't say anything. I want them to come to me, and it's, and it's that's just it. I want them to come to me, and that's no different with God. You know, God, God wants us to bring our request, our needs, our wants, everything to Him. But so many times we're we're afraid to do that, and it's 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 we, we we're almost like a kid in that aspect. Yeah, and I think what's so remarkable about that is that when we do mess up on our own. We we feel like, okay, we messed it up, so we need to fix it because mm-hmm. we're responsible for the mess up, so we should be responsible for the fixing part too. But what we fail to realize is the reason we messed up is because we weren't doing it his way to start with. Right, and the, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lesson to be learned is the beauty of it. You know, the yeah. other night we were at my, my mother's house, and she had this blind that she wanted to have hung up on her back porch. And my son, my youngest son, Landon, he's he's pretty crafty. He's really handy. Mm-hmm. And um, so him and my nephew, we sent them out. We said, y'all go hang this. Go go hang it. We're going to sit in here and talk. And, you know, so you got a, a 20-year-old or a 21-year-old and a 14-year-old out there hanging this, you know, expensive blind to go on her back porch. And and, and we sat there and, and listened and watched, and we knew that they weren't figuring it out. We knew that they were stumped. But we weren't going out there. And, of course, my wife and my mom are saying, you need to go out there. And we said, no, let's let's just wait. But they never would come in and ask for help. And so we went out there, and within 10 minutes, my brother and I had it hung. You know, we've been in the building business for years, so we, we knew how to do it, and we knew that they were making a mistake. But we let them make that mistake. And in this case, they never did come and ask us. We just went out there. But immediately... They learned the lesson. They yeah. learned, well, this is how you do it. They were, you know, not only did they have the instructions thrown to the side, first mistake, of course, they probably learned that from us, <laughs> but they, they weren't reaching out for help. And and once Jerome and I went out there to, to help them with this, you know, we wanted to do that, number one, as fathers, but we also knew that there was a lesson to be learned. They learned, now in this case, it was to how to hang a blind, but next time that blind needs to be hung for somebody, they both know how to do it in the right way. Right. So there was lessons to be learned. And they learned that lesson better because they made that mistake and 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 and, and, and then saw that that they were in the problem more deeply right. at that point. Right. So. Do you dwell do you dwell on the problem or do yeah. we look to the solution and the lesson yeah. to be learned from yeah. that problem? Because many times, you know, God will allow us. Just like we were allowing them to mess up on the back porch. We knew that that was happening. And many times God will allow us to do that because there's always there's always something to be learned and you're always better for it many times. And if we can have that perspective, uh, but it's hard to have that perspective. It is. But, you know, one of the things you said that really hit me that I, I was just thinking was that that's the way God does for us, right? He lets us go out there and mess up. And um, he wants us to recognize and go talk to him, just like we want our kids when they mess up to come talk to us mm-hmm. and us not have to go discover it for ourselves. But he doesn't wait for us to do that always. Right. He'll, he'll, he'll come and meet us and say, all right, all right. I know I know you may be a little too proud to come to me, but I'm here for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, you know, I think, I think that hits Irene's question. Yeah, it does. Right on the head here. What a great illustration. Last question, what does it mean 
what does what does it mean to you to guard your heart? Is it more of a mental, emotional, physical, or spiritual action, or all of the above? And how can you use prayer and scripture to guide your heart, guard your heart, rather? I think for me, uh, and and I just read this question a few minutes ago. I think a lot of times for me, it's situational, more than mental, emotional, physical, spiritual. It's it's situational. It's it's staying away from things that I know could damage me in those other areas, the mm-hmm. mental, emotional. I mean, it's just like, you know, I, you know, before Jesus, I had friends who didn't talk the way they should. They didn't act the way they should. They didn't do some of the things they should. And, and I had to learn to separate myself from that because, you know, you can, you can be in the word, you can be talking to God daily, but if you're, if you're consistently putting yourself in situations that inherently pull you away from Christ, that that's a hard that's a hard place to be. Yeah. Um, because you know, we just talked about God will test you, but the devil will also tempt you. That's right. Um, and it's it's staying away from those temptations, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. You know, just like we have to you know, you can't be on a a no sugar diet and have a carrot cake in the refrigerator all the time. Yeah. It's it's not going to be good, yeah. Because uh, that temptation is always there. So I, I don't know if that's exactly what Irene was asking, but for me, it's it's situationally guarding my heart by removing myself from some situations. I don't know about you. Yeah, well, and I think that some people look at that guarding your heart and they think about kind of being in a prison and keeping yourself locked up and away mm-hmm. from the world because right. we know the world has some evilness in it, and, the, and Satan is all around. And, and so the idea of keeping ourselves completely insulated from all of that, but that's not what he's saying no. here. That's not at all what he's saying. What, he doesn't mean that we need to keep ourselves locked up so we don't experience any pain. Um, what he means is kind of exactly what you're saying is to, to shy away from and to not put yourself into situations. Um, he... What he wants us to do is he wants us to rely on him being the guard of our heart. Right. That's what he's saying is yeah. let me guard your heart. Let me stand at that door and stand in the breach and make sure that nothing gets to you. And if you spend enough time in prayer and you spend enough time in the word, I'll be there when you need me. But, yeah. but you've got to spend that time with him for him to always be there. Yeah, we are to be in the world, but we're not to be of the world. Right. And right. I think, you know, at least that, that was my point in this is, you know, we're going to we're going to go eat here in just a few minutes with a gentleman and you know there's choices to make when i open that menu up <laughs> yeah. and and it's no different than than our daily walk with christ we're going to go into situations we're going to be exposed to situations that could potentially pull us away from christ but it's making those conscious decisions not to do that and if anything to walk away from that to pull yourself away from that now is that to say you're supposed to completely? Um, oh, I just dropped my pen. That we're supposed to just completely cut off friendships from the past? Think no, that 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 is our opportunity. We're to be a light to those people. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not to say put yourself in a in a prison like you said and not talk to anybody. That's that's not what we're talking about here. But it is consciously thinking about those situations as you walk into them because. And knowing ahead of time, you know, we, we always talk to the kids and, and running. You know, when things get tough, you need to know ahead of time about what you're going to do. Yeah. When your body or your, your mind starts saying, slow down, slow down, slow down, if you've thought about beforehand what you're going to do when that little voice says that, then it makes all the difference in the world. And it's no different whether I walk with Christ daily. You know, okay, I know I'm going to go. I know I'm going to be around these people today. How am I going to react? How am I going to respond? How am I going to? What am I going to say when they ask me, hey, won't you come to this place with us or mm-hmm. go do whatever tonight with us? You need to already have your mind made up, and it needs to be done through prayer. Yeah. And, yeah. and it makes, there again, all the difference in the world when it comes that time. Yeah, and from a running standpoint, I was just talking with a lady this morning who is a, a fantastic uh, collegiate runner, and we were talking about how calm she looks when she runs, even when she's running really, really hard. And actually, I made the comment that you said one day she was doing mile repeats mm-hmm. and she got through and you were like, 
she didn't look like she ran hard. Right. But she did, and and I mentioned that to her. And what you know what she said? She said, "Well, it won't do me any good to look like I'm more in distress. That only hurts." Yeah. And uh, that's so applicable. To, to this situation but is, it drives the people crazy watching her like she's not even hurting it does, uh, it yeah, does. she's a great so, runner so one one more scripture reference here from irene um and it's from philippians 4 7 through 9 and the peace of god which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus finally brothers and sisters whatever is true whatever is noble whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is admirable if anything is excellent or praiseworthy Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So bottom line is keep our minds keep our minds as pure as we can. Do you know this this brings up another story and I have got to tell it. You know, it, basically what God is saying here, what what Philippians is the writer of Philippians is saying here is um is constantly be looking to what is good and you'll quickly identify what is bad you know I, and i don't know if we've told the story on here before but um david hendricks god rest his soul um used to be an integral part of, of run for god mm. and he told the triathlon team the story one time about um you know there's people out there who their job is to identify counterfeit money um with the fbi and the cia or whoever it is um but he talked about how when they go through training to identify counterfeit money, they don't look at counterfeit money. They teach these people how to identify the true money so that mm-hmm. when they see the counterfeit money, it becomes obvious. He said, because you'll, you'll, you'll never be able to learn to identify all the counterfeits out there because there's so many intricacies and nuances of counterfeit mm-hmm. that you'll just never be able to learn what all is bad and it's kind of what what paul is saying here is don't don't worry about all the bad don't don't try to figure out what is bad learn what is good yeah christ is good yeah learn him learn his mannerisms learn what he taught learn how to be more like him and then when the bad in your life comes along it'll be blatantly obvious that that's wrong and so amen yeah amen good word Let's have a word from our sponsor, from another one of our sponsors. Check out Come On, Let's Go and the Big Share app. There is power in people's stories. It's a challenging time. What do you do when everything you believe about God is being tested and God doesn't look like the good father that he says he does? You've got layers and layers and layers of hate in your heart. It, it takes God to clean it out. Your story can help encourage others around the country, just like these stories have. You can walk through a simple process of sharing your story with the Big Share app. Download the Big Share app in your app store to start sharing hope with others. So, hey, wasn't that an interesting story from Irene? Numbers, 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 numbers. I'll tell you a story about numbers. Uh, when I was in high school, I was, I, I think I was a senior, maybe at the beginning of my senior year, I sat down with a guy, his name was Brett Taylor. He was the valedictorian of my class. Also, the, the he finished 10th place at the state meet that, that year, too, and helped us uh, get second place overall as a team. Anyway, Brett one time sat down. I was struggling with some math concepts, and he spent five to ten minutes with me and changed my entire life. And everybody's out there going, you got to share this, what right? What say? <laughs> Here's what he told me. He said, math is all common sense. It's, it all makes sense. There's, there's a context for math where the, what it is one time, it's going to be the next time. It's always the same. Math is always equal. It's there is no, you have, just have to learn the principles. And he said a lot of times what people do is they try to memorize how to do certain math problems. He said that's not the way to do it. The way to do it is to understand why you do it the way you do it. Mm-hmm. When you under when you understand the underlying principles behind math and why it always makes sense, it makes that math easier. And from that day forward, I've never struggled with math. You know, I think that's worth what they were trying to do. 
I may step on some toes here. <laughs> I think that's what they were trying to do when they come out with this Common Core math. Yeah. With kids. Yeah. But I think they missed the mark. Yeah, I think, they, yeah, I think you're right. I, I've seen how my son does some of his math problems, and I'm sitting here thinking, wow. We won't get into that. <laughs> well, I think they took the concept of figuring out how it, the nuts and bolts of it work and then trying to f- f- just fit it into a different formula, Yeah, which is really – I think they complicated it. Uh, yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's time for Dean's Thoughts, a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. And this week, the story is called Life in B.C. Have you ever seen the comic strip strip B.C.? It was created by Johnny Hart and first appeared in newspapers in 1958. It depicted life over 2,000 years ago. Have you ever thought about what it would have been like to have lived in those times? Yeah, I'm not really jonesing for those times either. But there is one phrase that I hear a lot lately. I don't think I'd be exaggerating if I said I had heard it over a hundred times in the news and directly from the mouths of many friends and family. You've heard it too. As a matter of fact, you've probably said it. And it's not just in this country. People are using this phrase all over the world. Have you guessed what the widespread phrase is yet? Here it is. I can't wait until things get back to normal. You know, B.C., before before Corona. (laughs) Ah, so we do long for the time of B.C. (laughs) So what was normal a few months ago? I dare say that many of us were complaining about the job we had, a person we had an interaction with, or some other aspect of our daily living. Now, we long for those days. The days that we thought were not so great are now covered in rainbows and fond memories. Life BC, before Corona. Are you doing more or less running during the pandemic? Can you think back to a time when you were not running or walking at all? For some of you, these days were not long ago. For others, you started running let's just say at a much further distance from the rapture. (laughs) Do you remember that time? What was life like, B.C., before cardio? Do we look at those days of less activity and want to go back? Or are you still excited enough to realize that those days were darker days? There is no question that we feel better, our bodies are healthier, and our immune systems, something oh so important right now, are stronger than non-runners. I hope you take time to understand how much better off you are today than B.C. before cardio. Our perception of what running or walking does for us is enormously important for our motivation to keep going. After all, there are days when it's exceedingly difficult to go out for a run when we are already exhausted from a long day at work. Or it is, perhaps, even more arduous to get up early enough to get a run in before work. When you recognize that the energy you spend running or walking will be returned to you on the back end in the form of added vigor and energy, it makes getting out the door easier. How about your spiritual life, B.C., before Christ? Do you remember a time when Christ was not the center of your life? Or maybe he's still not what drives your agenda each day. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Our lives became radically different around the end of March or beginning of April. The virus has changed a lot about the way we look at nearly everything. If you jumped in with both feet into running, you should have seen a radical difference in many facets of your life because of your fitness level and the fact that you were taking care of your body. And if you read 2 Corinthians 5.17, your life should have been radically changed the moment you accepted Christ as your Savior. Here's my point. People who don't run wonder why you do it. They don't understand why anyone would put themselves through that. People who have not experienced the saving grace of a living Savior don't grasp why you put your faith in Him. 
In both of those cases, you know the radical transformation that change has produced in your life. You know that life B.C. is not all it's cracked up to be, at least according to the world's definition. We have learned that getting outside our comfort zone is critical to growth in our lives, physically and spiritually, but we're still reluctant to leave our comfort zone, aren't we? A lot of people are being pushed outside their comfort zones in these pandemic days. Studies have shown that more people are praying today than a few months ago, by significant margins. The move to online church has spurred people who have not stepped into a church in years to tune in to a service. Though we have seen some horrific things, including many deaths, we have also seen good things. We have seen companies step up to provide needed supplies, and families with tables of basic need products in their front yards sharing with neighbors. The Israelites spent 40 years in the desert. Much of that time was spent pining for the days that they once complained about. But in front of them, just out of the line of sight, stood the promised land. What if we're wanting to go back to the days of making bricks with no straw while the gates of heaven are just outside the line of sight? Let's all realize that life BC, whether it's before corona, before cardio, or before Christ, may not be what we should focus on. Instead, let's focus on what's just out of our sight, what God is leading us to next. If we're following him, we will surely forget about life B.C. Man, that's a great story, Dean. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. A word from our our own sponsor, us. Yeah. Become an instructor. If you've ever participated in any sport, you've probably met a great coach. Great coaches inspire us to do more than we ever thought possible. You can be the leader that helps others achieve things they never thought possible. You, yes, you have the ability and the opportunity to be that person. All you need is a heart to help people and the ability to follow a plan. The Run for God 5K Challenge will come ready to help you inspire those around you. The step-by-step guide will direct you how to plan, pray, and train people both physically and spiritually. You can help them become more fit in their health and in their walk with Christ. Share your passion. Go to runforgod.com to find out how to inspire others to accomplish big things. So we're back, and and you may or may not know this, but the 5K uh, Challenge material is on sale right now, Um, half off. Half off because we need instructors. You know, um, some people don't know this. We've got these statistics. We've got about 4,500 instructors around the world right now in 10 years. But did you know at any given time, we've, we've run the numbers, we've done the studies based on Facebook algorithms, we've done this study based on runner's world algorithms. But at any given time, there is a there is a formula that will predict an instructor. And that is a runner who is a believer in Jesus Christ. That is the perfect instructor. You didn't say anything about being a teacher. Not I didn't say being a teacher. I didn't say you being didn't. a great runner. I didn't say being an Olympic runner. You didn't say they had to be a Bible scholar either. I didn't say they had to be a Bible scholar. All of this stuff, we are not. Well, you're a great runner. I'm not really a great runner. But neither one of us, I don't, you've never been to seminary. No. I've never been to seminary. Mm -mm. But we have a willingness to share our passion. Mm -hmm. And our passion is Jesus Christ and running. Well, our studies show that at any given time, there are one million people who fit that mold. Yep. In the United States alone. Right. That is one million potential instructors are walking around the streets of our cities and towns and communities all over the country. And some listening now. And some listening now. Now, you may be sitting out there and saying, I, I can't teach. I've never taught anything in my life. I'm not Ryan Hall. I'm not Dean Thompson. I don't know the Bible as well as I should. Guess what? That was me 10 years ago. I still don't know the Bible as well as I should. I've actually gotten worse and slower (laughs) in my running, but yet here we are. 
Yeah. And it's because of a desire to change people's life through the sport of running by pointing them to a loving Savior who wants to spend eternity with them. That's all there is. So, during these times, we have made the 5K coaches kit, instructors kit, whatever you want to call it, we've made it half off. It's it's like 98 bucks or something. And we give you all the tools you need to to get the people you love in your community who, you know, everybody likes to dare somebody. That's yep. how my first class started was I walked around my church and said, you need to take the 5K challenge. I dare you. And I would pull them. Go ask Gay Coker. I pulled her and her <laughs> husband kicking and screaming into that first class. But it radically changed their life, not because of anything I did, right? but because of the principles that are taught in this program. You know, I, I love listening to Dave Ramsey. I've said it on here before. And Dave's always famous for saying, there's nothing in this program that you can't find on the Internet. Yeah, We just package it in a way that makes it easy to do. And that's exactly what the Coach's Kid is. Yeah. We've put everything together in a package that makes it easy for you to walk through this 12-week process of taking those in your community to their first 5K. Yeah, and you know, it, we just talked about this whole BC thing and getting back to normal and what normal looks like and all of that stuff. And uh, if you want to go back to a normal that's different, go back as a coach. And uh, yeah. it, it'll be it'll be different in a good way. And it's funny you're saying go back to normal. I was actually uh, – we're working on a series, a social media series. It's going to be called The Faces of Run for God. And if you're on the Run Club, I actually, we actually put a post out there this morning saying – we need more pictures, you know, whether you're running or standing there doing handstands or, or you're, you're Irene doing jumps, you know, the <laughs> jump picture. We need more pictures because what I saw in going back over the past months on the Run Club page is there's a ton of selfies. Yes. But you get to about the two-month mark ago, and it was all groups. And I'm ready to see those group pictures Amen. again. And that can only happen – if you step outside your comfort zone. We've been talking about Joshua 9. Yeah. You know, and and that's kind of the slogan for our T-shirt that says, find your comfort zone and leave it. Be strong and courageous. Courageous means a lot of times doing something that's not comfortable. Yeah. Um, but it will be worth it. Yeah. Get out there and, and do it. So I, we share every week some some reason why running is awesome. And this week, this is, this is what I think is awesome about running. Is there really any other feeling – like putting on a new pair of running shoes and realizing that your last <laughs> pair of running shoes were much more worn out than you thought. Isn't that a great feeling? It is. Oh, my goodness. It, it feels like you're walking on pillows. and Oh, it's just, it's just such an awesome feeling. And then sometimes, you know, like I'll put on my old pair to go do some yard work or something. And they feel like bricks on my feet. Yeah. They feel the ground How feels so hard. How did I run these? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think a new pair of running shoes is just a notch below a new house or a car or phone or so- something. Anyway, well, it's, it's close. Depending on how worn out they are, they, they may be a notch above. They may be. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Our motivational thought for the week um, is, a, is a quote that's attributed to a few different people, or at least a couple. I've seen Vince Lombardi and Bobby Knight. I don't care who, it, who, who actually said it. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Vince Lombardi was – before Bobby Knight, so maybe he originated this thought, but I love this thought, and this is it. The will to win isn't nearly as important as the will to prepare to win. So true. Yeah, the, the idea that uh, that that glorious moment of of crossing that finish line in, in the time faster than we've ever run or, or whatever it is, all comes down to not that day and how much heart you have that day, but how much heart did you have leading up to that day and all the training you put in prior to that. Nobody wins by accident. That's right. Nobody wins by Nobody finishes their first 5K or their first marathon and they cross the finish line and go, wow, I, I don't know how that happened. Yep. There was a plan. Yep. And there was a preparedness. And, yeah. And no, you never know. On accident. You never know. What was the guy's name? Hideki Muriyama? Was that the guy's name that won the Boston Marathon here a few years ago when the, the weather was just horrendous yeah, yeah, yeah. with the downpour and the frain and it was it was just awful ter- it was the worst race conditions maybe I've ever seen. And he won that marathon and this guy this guy gets up and goes to work every day. Yeah. He's a normal average guy who just works hard. He had to call his office to see if he could stay an extra day to accept the award for winning the Boston <laughs> yeah, Marathon. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, you never know that all that hard work one day may lead to something unexpected and right. something cool. So, right, exactly. But it all takes to having the will to prepare. Yeah. So, uh, hey, listen, we want you to join Run Club. If you're not a part of Run Club and somehow you're listening to this, we would love to have you as part of Run Club. So it, not only does Run Club uh, it kind of try to keep you enthusiastic about running and motivate you to want to get out the door and run, but it also supports the Run for God ministry. The Run for God ministry has seen lives changed. Um, again, just as Mitchell just said, it's not the things that we do. But it's just being obedient to God and doing the things he wants us to do. The more people we have join, the more that message gets out there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so get your friends to join Run Club. Um, get your motivation through, through written form, audio, video. Uh, get some, some running plans. Uh, we get Thursday nights. We've, we've had a pretty good number of folks that tune in on Thursday nights, and we talk about strictly mostly running related things or we have interviews on those days and we're very focused on training type stuff and um, it's a good time to ask questions and uh, it's just it's a great place to go you also get discounts on run for god gear and Mm -hmm. there's so much more so um, the cost what's the cost nine dollars and 97 cents a month so less than the cost of a cup of coffee for each episode basically yeah. You get four basically you get four point three episodes for nine ninety seven. Right. Uh, yeah, you you can't beat it. That's it's hard to it's beat. an incredible deal. Um and yeah, yeah, let your friends know we got a lot of people on here um who are having a ball. Thursday yeah. nights are fun. Yeah, they are. Uh Thursday nights and I think we've been kind of kicking around the idea of maybe doing a Zoom. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we haven't pulled the trigger on uh, that yet because I just logistically, <laughs> my fear is Zoom will crash that night. But <laughs> we'll do it again the next night. So That's true. We'll, we'll try to get that uh, in the works in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. So we hope that you enjoy what you're listening to. Please go and rate us, give us five star reviews because when you do, that obviously gets the word out better and helps us. So do that. Give us feedback. Let us know if there are some things you don't like. Let us know what those things are because that's the way we get better. So uh, like, subscribe, get notifications, do all of that stuff, whether it's YouTube or the podcast, and make sure that you're a part of this every week. Now may God bless every step of every run. Go out there and shine your light. Good word, Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.